Good morning. Um, welcome to Vertical Life Church. It's great that you're here. We're super happy that you're here. If it's your first time, thanks for coming and hanging out with us. Um, if you notice, attendance is down a little bit. We're running on a skeleton crew. Um, and it was just awesome. My daughter got to come up and play the piano, you know, and it's just what a blessing to hear her play. And um, another person, I just setting this all up every week takes a lot of work and just, you know, thank you for everybody who does that. But I'd like to thank Dale this morning specifically. If you can see our screens are off hue of purple. That's not Dale's fault. He's been running around trying to get this stuff fixed and it just takes a lot. So hard to see today, but hopefully we can all see what's going on. But thank you, Dale, for being diligent and at least running all over like crazy, getting it this good. Um, we are going to talk about something for the next four weeks, and for most of you, you just heard, okay, I'm going to be doing this for four weeks, so you can decide if you're going to leave or stay, and I'll give you that option. So four weeks we're going to be talking, I'm going to be preaching. My name is Luke, and I'm just, uh, I help out here, I work here at the church and do stuff, and I'm the uh, pinch hitter for preaching, so pastor's off on vacation, and he asked me uh, at the beginning of the year when we were setting up our yearly schedule if I could speak for this month, and I love creation. It's something that I love to study. I love science. I'm a nerd. And so for me, this is fun stuff. And for you, you might be thinking, oh no. But I love creation so much and science so much, I took high school biology not once but twice. Failed them both times even. But boy, did I try. So I'm not super smart. And that's what makes most people leery of talking about science because you're going to sit there and you're going to talk about scientific stuff and you're going to say all these things and use big words and immediately you're attacked on the scientific community because creation is a myth. It's a falsehood. It's, not, it's a story. It's something that you're going to learn as a little kid and then you're going to get science and that's a fact. Science are facts. And we listen to science and that's what we're going to learn and we're going to get that knowledge and then we're going to develop our ideals from that. And so when you listen to church stuff, like from the book of Genesis, that is all just myth to the world. And matter of fact, to some of you sitting in this room, it may be myth. It may just be a neat story. And that's okay. God can change hearts, change minds. But what I'd like for you to do is keep an open heart and an open mind to something maybe new. See, we have been indoctrinated since we've been young children. And I mean strongly. When we open up a book about dinosaurs, any little boy, even little girls, love to learn about dinosaurs. And you open up that book and it says, millions of years ago, dinosaurs roamed the earth. I mean, that was my book when I was growing up. The book I read to my boy, the way it started out was, millions of years ago, dinosaurs roamed the earth. No men were there. No Beings other than dinosaurs were there. It was a different world. And they did what? Eventually became us. Well, it doesn't say that in the book. I mean, it's a little kid's book. But the story leaves off and it leads you to believe that at some point these dinosaurs died and they have different ways in which they died, climate change or an asteroid and all these different things. And, and you just get that. That's where you start. Then you go to school and you sit there in your first class and they teach you science. And science, you know, it's amazing. And it's factual. And you have to be smart to understand it. They use really big words in science class. And for most of us, we feel like, whew, right over our head. And so we just buy into it through intellect. 
They attack us and bully us by telling us that you're stupid and you'll never understand our science, and so we have to beat you down. You believe myths, I believe facts. And so that's where we do with creation. We're gonna sit here and talk about a religion or faith against science. And it's an impossible battle, and they've kept most of us at bay, and so here we are, that little kid sitting in class, and we're listening for the first time, and we're going to hear all these different things. Billions of years ago, there's going to be pictures that back it up, and it's going to show all this amazing stuff happening. And it's going to move through all these different things, water falling on the rocks, and the rocks having amoebas and bacteria and things growing out of it. And then it comes up, and next thing you know, it stands, or it flies, or it grows a tail, or it loses a tail. And next thing you know, in all these pictures, next thing you got Lucy, and she's walking up her Piltdown Man, looking at you like that. And that's the next thing you got, and then here we are, boom, humans. And it may never explain it that way in the book, but the pictures and the words that go with it talk about it like that, always as fact. Always as fact. Never arguable. Because you can't argue science. Because what are we taught about science? We're taught the scientific method in school. We're going to get into it a little bit in a second. And we talk about the scientific method and how it's facts. These are true things. And so what we're going to do today, and we're going to talk for the next four weeks, we're going to do this week, we're going to do origin, the beginning. That's in every man's heart, every woman, man, child. is. You stop and you think about it and you go, man, what was before me? Well, before me was my parents. Well, that's pretty easy. I see where I came from. Well, where'd they come from? Well, I, I know my grandparents. That's pretty easy. I've seen them. What about way back, long time ago? Who was then? Well, we have two different belief structures. We'll start with the Big Bang. Now, the Big Bang theory, I'm going to read the definition of it, and it differs for where you pull it out of which science book or which blog or whichever science thing you want to pull it from. But this is the Big Bang theory. This is your origin. This is where it all starts. It says, the violent explosion of an extremely small, hot, and dense body of matter between 12 and 18 billion years ago. This is what we have, this super tiny. This definition says the size of a dime. We all know what a dime is. Other definitions say the size of a period on the page. One definition states the size of a dot on a pencil that it would make. All the matters condensed into that one thing. Super tight, hot, and just shaking. We all know about energy. Energy, anytime that it has resistance, creates heat. And so you have all this energy in one small ball and it's so hot and it's just burning hot crazy, sitting there shaking in nothing. You can't really, and I can't really understand nothing, but it's in nothing. So if you can put that in your mind, that ball of energy, mass, matter, everything that's in this world today is in there and kaboom, it blows up. And when it explodes, poof, all the matter that we see, all the things that we know, the universe, its vast expansion, the earth as we know it, it blows up, boom. And it spreads out off of this big bang. And it creates all the stuff we see. Evolution is kind of divided up into two different parts, the big bang theory being the first one, and you know the species of the evolution of the species being the second part, which we'll get into later. This big bang part, is where everything else comes from. 
It's the origin. Now, how do they get the date? They said 12 and 18 billion years ago in this one. Time is the key for evolution. In the mathematical equation, you just add more time. So they added 12 to 18 billion years ago this happened. And when it happened, that small, hot, dense matter ball exploded and created everything. And they date it through carbon dating. We've all heard of carbon dating. Well, that's been carbon dated. Very scientific. I don't have a carbon date tester in my house. Neither do you. You can't argue it. So they say this is this old. A couple things to look up, and I'm going to encourage you in this. There are going to be things I say today that you think are crazy, unbelievable, disagreeable. Look them up. Find out what you believe about your creator and creation. Make a conclusion. Even if you disagree with me, that's fine. But this is carbon dating. Carbon dating, if you look it up right now, the best time frame you can get is 50,000 years old. So they say something that's 50,000 years old, they can accurately age. Here's an issue that they have, freshwater animals. When they take a shellfish out of the sea, or freshwater, out of freshwater, and they test him, he came out to be 5,000 years old and still alive. Well, that's weird. Why did it fail? Scientists said this, reading through his study, he said fresh water, things that live in fresh water, make it almost impossible to us to carbon date it because of the process in which carbon dating is done. Carbon dating is done like this. The C14 molecule, which is a radioactive isotope, okay, that all of us have from our atmosphere in our body, comes into us, and they generate that we have, just for example, we have 100 right now. It takes 5,730 years for it to reach its half-life. And so if they dig us up, and we have 50 left, and that's the half-life, they're saying this thing is 5,730 years old in this radioactive isotope. It is an accurate science. It is. You can look at it and you can date trees, you can date all living organisms for this current atmosphere. Something to think about is what we're gonna get into when we start talking about Noah's Ark, which is gonna be our third week. One thing that God did is he divided the water from the waters and he put a firmament in the sky, which was fresh water, which blocks out harmful radiation which would change the way we lived then. How did people live to be supposedly, this is all argumentative, but by the Bible, a thousand years old. The atmosphere was way different. We weren't hurt by the sun's difficult rays on our bodies. I mean, science has come a million ways with heart health and cancer treatments and all those things, and we still see people dying. It's because you're not going to overcome the harmful effects of the sun's rays. The thing that warms us, keeps us alive, grows our food, also slowly kills us. And so what they can't figure out is why these freshwater animals are 5,000, so that test doesn't work. But what if we were the animals living under a freshwater canopy and the test was false? You're testing things at today's atmosphere that doesn't quite make up what that atmosphere would have been. So you have to come to a different conclusion if you would believe that. And so the Big Bang has issues. 
but they place it now at 4.5 billion years. That's a little different than the 12 to 18 that we read earlier, but that's where we're at. So, everything created by the big explosion. Here's what creationists say. Genesis 1.1. I'm going to read it from the screen. It says this, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was all formless and empty, and darkness covered the face, uh, I, darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light was good, then he separated the light from the darkness. And God, God called the light day and the darkness night. And the evening passed and the morning came, making the first day. So, we have, in the beginning was a hot, dense matter, ball, or in the beginning was God. These are the two arguments. Our beginning is this, God, you don't know him like that, as the creator of all things. We can't quite grasp or understand it because he lived in a timeless void, empty of anything we know, and he creates everything. Well, that takes a lot to believe. You have to first believe in an almighty God. You have to believe that he's timeless, endless. You have to come to the conclusion that he knows more than you and you'll never understand it all. And you'd have to get to that point. And then you'd have to say, I'm going to submit myself to that as God. This is the problem. So we have these two things, and both of these things come to being an issue in the scientific community. Why do they become an issue? Well, that hot, dense ball of matter, the energy with all the resistance, everything you have, where did it come from? No creator. Well, always was there. You have to believe that it's always there. Well, no, you have to be scientific about it. You don't believe. You just have to know. Scientifically, that's there. Now, God, you have to believe that he was there. Here's the scientific method. First, you come up with a question. I have a question. I seen this thing, or I did this thing, and I want to make sense of it. So I'm going to look at it, and I'm going to scientifically prove it. I'm either going to be right, or I'm going to be wrong. We were all taught this in third, fourth, fifth grade. So I have this question, I get a couple bits of data, I get it asked around, I look for some answers, and okay, I like this. I come up with a hypothesis. Here's my hypothesis. I'm going to do this and this and this, and I'm going to start testing. I'm going to start getting more data collection. I'm going to start running it against it. And scientifically, I'm going to prove this. And if it becomes truth through my testing that I cannot refute, I'm going to turn it into a theory, like the theory of evolution. And so I have what I believe to be true, data that I collected, scientific evidence that I've done, testing that I've accomplished, and I've got now a theory. Scientific method says this is my theory, and so I stick with this. Here's what I was taught in school, and this is where it's going to break up now. In school, I was taught once a theory has been established, you're going to move towards an absolute, back when we believed in absolute truths. And if you absolutely can prove this, undeniably, can't be broken, can't be changed, that theory will move into a law because science has laws. And we know some of the laws. And all of us have heard them. I'm going to read a few of them here in a second. But we have these laws, and they're scientific laws. They can't be broken. 
Now what does science say? In reading through this and trying to figure it out, it says this, that a theory, after it's gone through all of its testing and data collection, will now be presumed to be truth unless it can be proven otherwise. That is backwards thinking and not science. Here's my theory, just to give you an idea. When no one's looking at me, no one, not even myself in a mirror, I'm blue. I've done some analysis that I think my pigmentation changes. I do different things that I think that the way that you see and perceive light through backing off of me changes the way that you see me as the color that I am now. And so what I am going to be is blue when no one's looking, not even myself. Prove me wrong. Well, you can't be looking at me. Well, I'll use a video camera. It uses the same light and optic ideas. So it can't look at me either. I'm blue when no one sees me. You can't prove me wrong. There's no science that can prove me wrong. So guess what? Under today's rules, I'm right. My science is accurate and you're all fools. How dare you think that when you're not looking at me, I'm not blue. This is not correct science. This is an adaptation of something that because you couldn't prove a theory that you want, you make up a new rule. And you change science to make everybody doubt everything. Now science used to say if a correct science comes through and changes these laws or theories, we will know them to be incorrect and we will have to change them. That was humility in science because they would say, hey, we're pretty smart. Oh, Einstein's a genius. Isaac Newton's a really smart guy. But in his thinking, he said, this will be law, this will be theory, but if somebody can prove me wrong, we'll have to accept it as truth because truth is absolute. What they've done now is change it to, there is no more absolute truth. I'm just right because you can't prove me wrong. I'll tell you it's a billion years old. Can you go back a billion years? Did you write a book back then? Is there anything on CD? No, you can't prove me wrong, so I'm right. This is what your kids learn in school, and they are indoctrinated with it every day. Your truth is a myth. My idea is truth. And if you wonder why so many people are struggling, you know, you come up with this ideas of talking about creation, and people go, why does this matter? It doesn't change my salvation. It doesn't change the way I follow God. It doesn't really do anything, but people want to talk and argue about this constantly. Those are valid questions. Kids say all the time, well, I can still believe in evolution. I've heard it come out of many kids' mouth. It doesn't mean that I don't believe in God. Here's the thing under the creation of uh, the creation theory through creationists. There's a couple different ideas. What happened is, and if you talk to pastors who are between 50 and 70 years old, they're gonna tell you these different ideas. If you believe this way, I'm not attacking you, I'll just ask you to question them and look into it a little deeper. There's things like the gap theory. It says between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2 that there's a large gap that could be the billions of years. That that's possibly where the dinosaurs lived. There's flaws to that. I'm gonna share with you what I believe, but I'm gonna talk about this. It says that in that 1-1-1-2 gap, all that time could be there. The dinosaurs lived there. In Romans chapter 5, verse 12, it says that Adam, through his sin, brought death, death to the world. Or death is whatever you call it. Brought death to the world. And so Adam was the first one to bring sin and to bring death. And so if all the dinosaurs died back then, eh, it takes that verse out of the Bible. Oop, not true. There's the day-age theory. It talks about it like this. <coughs> it says that each day 
is an ultimate time frame. So day number one, which we see here, God creates the heaven and the earth. Earth is without form and void. Darkness covers the face of the deep. The spirit of God moves on the waters. He separates the light from the dark and he calls the first day good. That is a billion years. There's some flaws with that because plants were created before the sun. So how'd them plants live for a billion years without any chlorophyll being filled through sunlight? It's an impossibility. What we've tried to do through theistic evolution is take God's holy book and Bible and mix it with man's science because they've told us we're dumb for so long. You Christians are just dumb. You cannot prove this book. We have science, we have facts. And they do it constantly, and they do it enough so where you start to doubt yourself that maybe I'm a little bit foolish, maybe I'll adopt this idea. Maybe it was billions of years, and maybe I'm just incorrect. Maybe I can add this, and maybe there was adaptation uh, that changed different species. Those words shouldn't even be in the same sentence. Evolution is a change of species, is the way they define it. So we have problems with both things. And in the, even in the creationist idea, here's what I believe, and this is what I believe to be true by the Bible, and I believe this because what the Bible is to us is our law. Science has law, we have law. This is the Bible. This is what I believe it to be, 24-hour, literal day. God said it, it happened. The book of Genesis, chapters one through six, are not a myth, a fairy tale, or a good idea. They are God's word. And God's word is what we live by. Another just thought for you is that if God's word is true, which I believe in absolute truth and believe it to be absolutely true, if you take Adam and then you take uh, Noah, in between there is Methuselah. There's several other people, I understand. In between there is Methuselah, who lived between Adam and Noah till Noah was a couple hundred years old until Adam was at the end of his life. Here's what could have happened in this book. Adam, first man, could have shared with Methuselah the exact same story of what happened that he told to Noah. First-hand account of creation. Adam, how did you get here? Well, one day I woke up, I was here. God was standing right next to me. He told me what to do, and I named all the animals on the first day. He made this chick that I took with me. We had a whole bunch of problems. I messed things up. My bad. And then he takes that story, and he says, look, I'm going to tell that to Noah. He's the only godly dude here. Yeah, make sure him and his family carry that on. And then they write it in a book <coughs> called the Bible. The Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, collectively is believed to be written by Moses, so that would be thousands of years of difference there, I do understand. But this is written language, written word, where people could understand carrying real-life occurrence that they've seen with their own eyes compared to a tiny dot floating in space, all hot and angry, and waiting to blow up. No one's seen. Not one person. So, scientifically, we have a problem. You can't test either one. You can't get the data from either one. I don't have a time machine, and I can't go back, and neither can they. So, I can't scientifically prove creation. I can't even scientifically prove God. For some of you are thinking, boy, that's horrible. It's not horrible. We have a God that we can't completely understand, that we don't understand fully or know because he created us. 
So we worship him in the full because of who he is and, and the knowledge that we just don't quite grasp. And that can give us clarity. That can give us hope that there's something bigger than us that we fully believe. And so that's where that is. Big Bang Theory can't be proven scientifically either. They can't tell you where the dot came from. Here's a couple laws. Law of thermodynamics. And these are some that you probably know. Law of thermodynamics is this. Energy can neither be created nor destroyed. The dot is all energy. Our law says it cannot be there. That's a problem. We have a couple other laws that some of us know. Newton's laws of motion. Uh, Law number one says an object in motion stays in motion. And law number three says for every action there's an equal and opposite reaction. Those are how laws are typically written. Laws are written like short sentence, pages of explanation. Short little math equation, pages of explanation. So we understand those things. They're usually natural things that occur that we can observe, and those are law. So we have a problem with them breaking a few laws. Laws can be specific. Law of gravity is specific to Earth. Low gravitational fields. In Einstein's different theories, he decided to talk about like wormholes and all the different things in high gravitational fields. That law wouldn't pertain to those things. So if we found one of those, it wouldn't be a different gravitational pull. So that law is specific to the gravitational pull here on Earth. So laws can be specific. So what they're going to try and do is say, well, this specific law is for now, it's not for then. Still can't be explained scientifically. You're not dumb. You're not. You're a Christian. That doesn't make you dumb. We need to remove that from the idea that if we disagree with science, that we're stupid. We're not. We're Christians. Christians aren't ignorant or less intelligent. There's people who study science constantly who are Christians. And they're way smarter than me. And they back up everything they say through the Bible. What we need to do is this. We need to understand that neither one of these can be proven Now let's read the definition of what a belief is. A belief is this, an acceptance that a statement is true or that something exists. Something one accepts as true or real, a firmly held opinion or conviction, religious conviction. I'm here to argue this point. Evolution and our God are both religion. They're both belief. They're both on our hearts. They are not scientific. So when someone comes at you telling you if you believe science, you're going to believe this, you are not in that category of science. It can't be proven through their methods. It can't be demonstrated again. It cannot be observed and it can't be labeled as a law. It is not science. It is a belief. And you're okay to believe whatever you want. See, I know God who gave you the authority to have free domain of your own life. And he says, if you choose to believe me, then everything I wrote in this book is true. That's the rules. You don't have to believe them. You can believe any way you want. You're in control of that part. But don't get me wrong in saying this, this is a belief. And so if you want to adopt some idea that there's science and God, 
There sure is, because God created science. People used to say this, that the Bible is a, just a falsehood. Look at what it says here. It says even the rocks will melt with heat. In the 40s and 50s, they'd say, in, or 40s, they'd say that's an impossibility. You cannot melt these rocks with heat. And then we dropped a bomb on Hiroshima, and guess what? The rocks pooled like just glowing hot. Whoops, we were wrong. Our bad. Science was wrong. Bible was right. Bible says the world's round, and we had a whole bunch of jokers a few hundred years ago saying it's flat. They would say, yeah, Bible's not right. Science is right. We're going to take this boat and drop it off the edge of the earth. No, we're wrong again. Maybe their science just hasn't caught up. And maybe we need to start believing to the point where we are not allowing anyone to change our hearts towards what God is and who he is. So a few quick things. And I know it's been long, so I apologize. John 1 talks about this when it talks about the Bible and the Word of God. It says, in the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God, and God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. This is a mixture of the Word of God. This is who it is. This is referencing Jesus. This is referencing the Bible, the written word. This is referencing all of them combined in a collective. Because we know that God inspired this book through men and gave them all the things to write down. So in that, we see that in Revelations how serious God takes this word. In Revelations chapter 22, uh, this is the end of Revelations, and this verse is specifically speaking to the book of Revelation, even though some people would argue it means the entirety of the Bible. But it says this, And I solemnly declare to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy written in this book, if anyone adds anything to what is written here, God will add to that person the plagues described in this book. And if anyone removes any of the words from this book of prophecy, God will remove that person's share in the tree of life and in the holy city that they are described in this book. Woo! That's not a fun statement. What he's saying is, is this book, talking about Revelation, I understand, but it's so important and so inspired by me that if you mess with it, you mess with one word, I'm gonna mess you up. Warning from God. So does God take his Bible serious? Does God take his written word serious? I would say that he probably does since he's saying he's gonna send a whole bunch of plagues, which you've read those plagues, they're not that great. I mean, stinging scorpions, hail, all sorts of horrible things, blood in the water. It's not fun. He's saying, I'm going to give you those. Don't mess with my Bible. So he believes it to be an important thing. And this is what I see as a conclusion. We are forced today to have a belief. We all want to know where we came from. All of us would sit here and if we sat in deep thought or if you're a deep thinker or you just caught, caught up in the moment sometimes and you say, man, that is kind of weird. Where am I? Where would I come from? What, what did happen? There's two things. And it's going to be either this, that you worship God wholeheartedly, or you're going to worship yourself. Here's what happened. And this isn't on the screen. <clears throat> so in Romans chapter 1, in verse 20 through 25, it says this. If I can find it. It says here, talking of the people, for ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they clearly see this invisible qualities. 
his external power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think of foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious, ever-living God, they worship idols made to look like mere people and, uh, and birds and animals and reptiles. So God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their heart desired. As a result, they did vile and disregarding things to each other's bodies. They traded the truth for God for a lie. So they worshiped and served the things God created instead of the creator himself, who is worthy of eternal praise. Amen. Boy, if that don't nail it down for us. This is today's world. We can't understand God and we refuse to bow down and worship him. And so we will worship the things that he made, including our own selves. I'm smart. I figured it out. This is where the world begins. Nothing in there leaves the absence of man being the strongest. We evolved. See, now this is why I can figure it out because I was a monkey or I was a fish or I was an amoeba, but guess what I am now? Man, intellectual being that can figure things out. And we will worship ourselves and we will do ungodly, unbelievable, unimaginable things to each other and welcome to today. This is how we live. So is this a salvation issue? Is this a how you follow God issue? Is this something? Of course. Do you know why the school system teaches every day why your science is truth? Their science is truth and ours is a myth? To take this book and make it garbage. Because if verse 1-1 is no good and it's a lie, the rest of it's junk too. So the indoctrination of our children and ourselves is because we need to quit believing this book. And so if you take that philosophy and say, I disregard it, I don't believe in creation, is it a salvation issue? Well, the Bible says we give our hearts wholeheartedly to God. And so can you be saved and not believe in creation? Sure. New Christians have to grow all the time. But can you be a Christian today knowing very well that this is the truth and not search it out and disbelieve it? Ooh, you got a hard road coming. I'd hate to stand before God and say, well, I just don't believe all of it. The parts I like, I, I get, but the rest of it's just not truth. Ooh, you know, creator, you're going to tell him he's wrong. That might be a mistake. So today you're left with that option. Do we wholeheartedly believe in every word that this Bible says? And if we do, now I believe every word it says, 100%. Mess it up all the time. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I'm perfect. But I can tell you that if this book says I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I don't get to open up this Bible and say, oh yeah, Genesis 1, 1, meh, probably not true. And then get through here, ah, that part, nah, I don't agree with that. I'll just be God today. That's what they were doing in Romans. And their hearts turned wicked and evil and black and then professing to become wise, they were idiots. And that's what God's saying that we're doing to ourselves. And you can look and see, you could scientifically prove that. You could put data, pen to paper, technology, and see that men do nothing but destroy each other aside from God. So be as smart as you want. Let's serve God and do it. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for allowing us to be here. I just pray that we would just uh, glorify you 
and who you are. Thank you for all those that showed up today, and I just pray that you bless them through the week. And thank you for all you've done. In Jesus' name, amen.